Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Here are socks this morning. Uh, thank you to those who have given me socks. It's a blessing. I appreciate it. And so I went to the prayer meeting this morning, and they wanted to know if I wore the socks. I knew they were going to want to, so I didn't have them on. For those of you who are wondering what socks is about, last time I spoke to you, I talked to you about the unity that we are supposed to endeavor to keep the unity of the faith. Is that right? And I tried to make clear the fact that the mystery of the gospel according to God is that church people and non-church people have access to God. And Jesus Christ tore down the barrier wall that divides us. So the socks came in because I was trying to illustrate what barrier walls could look like. I'm a blue, black, brown sock person. And when I said that, folk thought to buy me colorful socks. Because there are some colorful sock people. Hal was one of them. And they thought that that was a good opportunity to help me become a colored sock person and to break down the barriers. And I just want to thank you for helping me. To break down the barriers. Now, that's beautiful. And uh, many of you went out of your way to help me. I'm at risk right now because these are not me. These are not me. They are not what I normally do, right? I have a definition of myself, and it does not include these kind of socks. Well, the good thing is you have a definition of yourself, and I wonder which you stretch yourself outside of it. I was thinking about the socks, and I wondered to myself, this was a beautiful display of folk trying to receive me and help me to feel included. (laughs) I wondered for myself, what else could have been done to make me know I was included? Was this the best way? Are there other ways? (laughs) Or... I wondered for myself, what would have happened for me if all of you had a worn black, blue, or brown socks? That would have shown me how much you accept me as a black, blue, brown sock person. Are you open to a little teaching? There's a scripture in Romans that says, condescend to men of low estate. In Ephesians, the scripture I read to you said Christ broke down the middle wall. And then if you were to take time and look at it yourself sometimes in chapter 4, I think it's verse 10, he said this. The mystery of the gospel, God's intent was to demonstrate to all the powers in the heavenlies God's magnificence, his awesomeness. And I'm paraphrasing those words. And what he was saying was when the church has... A, a lot of diversity, and they can accept that diversity and live in unity, they demonstrate God's power. Yes. You need people like me yes. if you want to be a powerful church. Yes. But you need me in blue and black socks. <laughs> I need people like you if I want to experience God's power because my own definition of myself limits myself. You have to be willing, condescend to men of low estate, he says, to put on blue-black socks to make the guy who wears them feel at home. (laughs) Then you give him colored socks. (laughs) Thank y'all for letting me teach that, all right? Now, uh, there's two things you have to do if you're going to be successful as a believer, and uh, you have to choose one of them because you can't make this stuff up. If you're going to believe Christ and prosper, you can't make it up. You have to do it the way the book says. Does that make sense? God has given us instructions on how to do this thing we call Christian living. 
and you are not permitted to make it up. You cannot do it your way. And especially expect it to work. I have to admit, there's a lot of ideals about Christianity. I've just been doing them my way. The way I think they ought to be done. The way I feel about it. The way I'm used to it. You understand that? That would discourage you. That would leave you in defeat. That would not guarantee you success. So there are two things you must do. One of the two you must do. You either must read the word of God or you must trust someone to teach it to you. You get to choose. So when I come before you, I try to put the word on the screen. You don't ever have to read it if you trust me to teach it to you. <laughs> but if you don't trust me to teach it to you, you got to read it, right? Because you can't make this stuff up. How many of you want to see God's power? Yeah. <sighs> Man, how many of you could feel his power in worship just a few minutes ago? Man, that was awesome, wasn't it? I want to talk to you today about build to last, and the subject I want to talk about is the peace of God. But I want to talk about how to get it, okay? I'm a believer that it's good for me to tell you what it says, but most of us struggle with how to, how to. We want to implement it. We need to know how to, okay? I admit right up front that I won't cover everything about the peace of God. Can't do it. I'm only going to touch on one part of it, and there's much, much more to it, okay? So if you want to know more, you should know more. And if you want to know more, you have to kind of either go find it, research it, look at it, read it. And for those who are theologically minded, I'm not trying to get all of this correct. I'm trying to get only the message across that I want to get across, okay? Does that make sense? So I want to talk about the peace of God. There's a few scriptures that we're going to read, and I want you to follow through with me if you can, all right? If you can't, some of it will be on the screen. And I want our scripture thought that we want to take from is out of Philippians, okay? Now, I have a uh, tablet here, and I can't see very well without glasses, so as I stumble through trying to make all of this work for me, I'm a Bible person with the book. I like that. But I have to learn the tablet because a lot of you like that. Can you imagine a guy who went from the stone tablets to papyrus? And he didn't like the papyrus, he liked the stone tablets. Everybody should have a set of these. <laughs> and papyrus was the new technology. Then it became a book, and that was the new technology. Now it's a tablet, that's a new technology. Here's the point you can't fight for righteousness in these things, over these kind of things, and maintain the unity of the faith. Right? So because I'm a Bible person, I don't insist that you do a Bible and everybody should bring a Bible or you're going to hell because you use a cell phone to read Scripture. <laughs> right? I'm condescending because it's not my thing. It's some of your thing. Right? So uh, help me through this. Uh, we're looking at built to last, and the, I, I want to just say it's important. This is an important subject, the peace of God, primarily because this is the time of year where uh, a lots of stress and anxiety happens, right? And Christmas is not a good time for everybody. It's just not. If you've lost loved ones, this could be a very tough time. If you're lonely and isolated, this could be a very tough time. If you're going through financial difficulties and suffering through health issues in your body, Christmas may not be joy to you. And I want you to know that's okay too. Because Christmas covers that. Right? Two years after the first Christmas or so, babies were being killed in Jerusalem. That was not a good Christmas. The angels in John pronounced to the shepherds, you know the story, right? They told him, a Savior is born. And after they told the shepherds the good news of the gospel, they told the shepherds to go and see the Savior born. And then the Bible says, suddenly 
there was a host of angels singing glory to God in the highest and what? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. God released something that day. And that thing he released is peace. One of the most precious gifts of the gospel is peace. It's the first thing said about the Savior you believe in. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Now, I put a question up on the screen that they may roll through as they ask you about world peace. I don't know why they always ask Miss America that. It's not like she got the power. She's a beauty queen. But they always ask Miss America, how would you bring about world peace? If you look at this according to the Bible, God's plan for world peace is not like your and our ideals. You with me? I said to you last time I was before you, you can't mandate peace. You can't make an agreement for peace. There's no way to externally execute peace. There will be no treaty to bring peace. There will be no one person with a great ideal that says this is what everyone can do to get along. That will not happen. God's plan for world peace is to bring peace in the heart of every believer. That every citizen, and don't forget, you're not an African-American, and you know that, don't you? Okay. Well, you're not a Caucasian. Did you know that? You are not a Jew. You are not a Irish person. You are not a man or a woman. That's how we identify each other. But in the citizenship of heaven, you are children of God. You must find your allegiance, primary allegiance, with God if you are a believer. I cannot hold on to a black thing and a God thing. I have to give up something (laughs) to make it work. Give up the cultural thing, the social thing. God's ideal for bringing world peace is that he would create it, give it to you, and have you maintain it. Note my words. He creates it. It's a gift he gives you. If you were on Christmas Day, are you the kind of person that would want to open all your gifts or just some of them? Melody gave me socks for Christmas, and she put dates on them. You can open this one today, and this one on the 8th, and this one on the 15th. And I'm in confession right now. I opened the first one because it was the day, it was marked the day she gave it to me, and it was a colorful pair of socks, and I was challenged again. But right away, I was curious. I wanted to open the next one. So I did. Three days earlier, I found out. And I let the others sit there, but I have to confess, last night I opened all of them. (laughs) I couldn't even wait till Christmas. I needed to see all of them. How many of you will want to see every gift God give you? I hold that most believers have only seen the gift of salvation. And they, they try to make the gift of salvation do everything. And God gave you other gifts. One of the gifts he gave was joy. Uh-oh, you don't have that? You, you lost your joy? Or you haven't opened it yet? Your peace, you got it? Or maybe you haven't opened it yet? Let's open peace today. It's a few days before Christmas. <laughs> but let's open it, okay? So, let's go to John chapter 14, verse 27, and look at a couple things. And I messed the media people up. I know I do, guys, because uh, I give them slides and I don't follow them. I'm sorry. You could put up for me 
after we read this, the definition of peace, okay? Someone uh, in the audience, could you help me? Would you just read with me? Someone read it for me. John 14, excuse me, John 14, verse 27. Please stand and read, just whenever you feel like it. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Did y'all see that? This is one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples. One of the first things said about him was peace, and one of the last things he tells them, I'm leaving you peace. I'm leaving you my peace. You can't use your own peace. You got to use mine. Got that? You can't have a peace for yourself. You have to use the same one I use. So you can't go around going, for me, peace is. Because me and you ought to have the same definition of peace. Right? It's not the kind of peace the world offers. The world offers peace that doesn't have trouble. The world offers the peace that doesn't bother you and make you have to do anything uncomfortable you don't want to do. Staying with blue, black, brown socks is not peace. The reason I can do this is because I have peace. You understand? The Bible says, John said, in John, he also, Jesus also said, in the world, you will have trouble. Right before he said that, he told him, listen, I'm going away and you're going to be uh, persecuted, whatever, but I'm telling you this so you'll have peace. You're telling me I'm going to be persecuted and I'm going to have trouble so I can have peace? I would want you to tell me everything is going to work out and everything's going to do what we go the way it's supposed to. You're telling me I'm going to have trouble so I can have peace? That makes no sense. And I hope that's why a lot of believers haven't found it. Because they're looking for peace to make sense. You'll find out in scripture, the peace he gives you passes understanding. Got that? It's a powerful peace because people can't take it from you. All right, let's look at something else. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Got it? Yeah, the definition. Go back. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Thank you. The definition of peace. Would you look at it with me? Here's what peace means, and you and I have to embrace this meaning. You ready? Deep breath. I got to take this. If you're not going to read it for yourself, you got to let somebody teach you. One of the most essential achievements of Christ coming to the earth and the most foundational of the gifts even to the believer, yet probably the one of the least appropriated as a benefit of salvation. Next slide. It says is peace. Peace is shalom. And in the Greek is irena, irene, something like that. You language people, you'll help me later. Peace means totally or completeness. Totality or completeness, success, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, and well-being. You got that? Now do me a favor, second line, which you all read from there with me. You ready? Go. If you think about Genesis, the earth was void and without form, and there was darkness upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light. God got rid of the chaos and the confusion and put things in order. Peace means that everything is just as it should be. It means it's well. It means it's in order. It means wholeness. Got it? It means the absence of division. Unity. It means things are not scattered or broken. It means they are in order. Got that? God's plan is to put things in order, starting with him, then you, then the world. Let me break one of those down. God's plan is to put things in order, starting with him, in you, with others, then the world. We'll see it in a minute. 
But you and I need to agree on the definition of peace. Peace is not when Tony does not wear the socks I bought him. Peace is when he wear the socks and I'm okay. Peace is when he don't wear the socks and I'm still okay. Peace is when because he didn't wear the socks I bought him, I don't avoid him. I still treat him as if he wore the socks. People, us, we, are so easily to work outside of peace. That would never bring you the success and the victory God has in store for you. Got that? Let's move to Ephesians chapter 4. Read with me. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That second sentence in verse 2, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, but it's really critical because you can't get to peace without that. But if you notice here, what is peace? It's a bond. It's what holds us together. It's the glue. Guess what it is in you individually? It's the bond. It's what holds you together. If you feel like you're falling apart, if you feel like your world is falling apart, it's because you're missing the gift of peace. You don't need counseling. You need instruction on how to get that peace. Got that? Now, the rest of it is going to be kind of challenging, so stay with me, okay? All right? Look to your neighbor and say, I'm here. I'm with it. I'm... Okay, don't, don't bail out on me because this is, this is uh, you. I appreciate you allowing me a chance to just teach through it, okay? All right? So, Colossians chapter 3. Let's go there. We're looking at verse 15. So, if you have it in a Bible apparatus... The way you do is you mark it so you can get home and look at it. Some of the scriptures I'm going to refer to, they will not have on the screen because I was slow. And partly because God was talking to me sitting right there. So I want to read this scripture, and I want you to hear it, and I want you to keep in mind what it says. Let, this is verse 15 of Colossians chapter 3. Let. That word is something you have the ability to do. Okay? So say, I can do it. This is a command in Scripture from the men, Paul, one of those men who was charged with making sure you and I know how to apply the gospel. Got it? Go for it. Let what? Let Let peace, the one that comes from God, rule. In other words, the way you make decisions and choices is based upon that peace that comes from God. Now, I need to plug something in here to downplay and wipe out something that Christians do very, 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 very wrong. They say things like, well, I made that choice and I have peace with my decision." And they use that as an excuse for doing stuff that they ain't supposed to do. I watched a person divorce their husband and tell me I have peace about it. That's not the one that comes from God. The one that comes from God agrees with God. If you got a peace that there's a scripture that disagrees with that, that peace didn't come from God. It needs to have the attributes of God in order for it to be God's peace. The Bible is very clear. If you're going to make a decision as a believer, you need two or three witnesses. You can't go with just your thought. Come on, somebody. Stop violating God and saying I have peace with my decision when you know it's wrong. You won't win like that. 
You dig yourself into a muck and a mire, a muddy place you can't get out of. Go with God's peace. It don't always feel like peace when it's God's peace. Come on, somebody. This doesn't feel like peace. Every time I look at him, I go, wow, I got to take that off. Doesn't feel like peace. I have to get used to it. Got that? You have been called to peace. You're not just been called to salvation. You can't go around offending people because you saved. Your salvation is not a license to walk over people, to disallow people, to hurt people. It's me, so don't take this personal, okay? You gave me socks before you put on blue and black. I could have easily been offended because what you did was change me without you willing to change yourself. Come on, somebody. You can't do it like that. It puts up barriers. Got that? Christ breaks them down. He broke them down, this distinguishing things that separate us. You can't hold on to distinctions and prosper. You either love one and hate the other or the opposite. I can't love colorful socks and you if you don't wear colorful socks. So our peace is gone because we divide it. It's not how I feel, it's what's happening. You understand that? The Bible says God has given you peace. You already have it. You have to benefit it from it by appropriating it. Having it is nothing. Using it is everything. Got it? Let's go somewhere else. Is this working for you? Here's something I just want to throw out to you, a couple things that peace is, and then we're going to Hebrews. This is not on the screen, but I just want to show it to you because it's important, okay? Hebrews 12, 14, if you're trying to go there with me. First of all, peace is, I would say, one of the most important gifts God has given us, okay? We're going to read in Philippians how important it is to you as an individual, But if you want peace in the world, you have to be the first citizen of a peaceful world. Got that? If you're a fighter, no need you talking about how we all get along. You must be sold out to peace. The Bible says pursue peace. Is that right? I think that's the one in Hebrews I'm talking about. Pursue peace. Chase after it. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Work at living in peace. Work at it. Many of us work at being right and not sinning and trying to be the one who got it right and not being seen as wrong and not making a mistake, not letting it be my fault. But we don't work at peace. We act out division all the time, y'all. This was just a simple example. You didn't mean to. You just didn't know. Now you know. Now you have to mean to. Got that? Romans 12 and 18 says, as much as it depends on you. How many of you know you can't get along with everybody? Can't get along with everybody. That's not what peace is talking about. Peace is not talking about getting along with everybody. There are some folks that are just not going to like me. Right? As hard as that is for me to believe. Hmm. Yeah, but I guess there are a few. Right? It's easy for me to hang around with people who are like me and that like me and think that's good. That's staying in blue and black and brown socks. But when I can have relationship with someone who's totally different than me, now I'm moving into practicing peace. Got that? 
There's no power in a white church. There's no power in a black church. There's no power in a Korean church. When those kind of signs on the door, all, of you, all you're doing is telling the others who are not that to stay away. Right. Don't come here. You're not Korean. Then when one comes to the door, you go, oh, welcome, brother. And then you make him sing your language and sing your songs. And you wonder why he don't come back. Mm. I'm grateful to God because we're going to be the folks who get it right. Thank you guys for a willing spirit to get it right. We all got to go by the book. Right? And if the book says that I made up my mind a long time ago, it's right. I'm just going to do that. It's got to feel bad, but I'm going to do it. Okay? I went somewhere with a friend the other day because I wanted to get along with him. And don't buy me any of this. But I don't like raw food. And they wanted to go eat sushi. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. Can we go to Denny's? <laughs> they like, I, I want sushi. And I wanted a relationship with them. Guess what I had to do? Go eat sushi. I ate sushi for the first time. And I sit there, peace, trying not to put that look on my face. Because that wouldn't have helped her to know that I want peace. But I did ask, so tell me what this one is. And tell me what's on this one, what's on this one. And I ate the one I thought I could most tolerate with joy on my face. And then I was honest. This one was okay. I probably could like that. I'm probably not going to. But I probably could like it. <laughs> yes. It didn't. Nothing like chicken. And then she had one of those little uh, shrimp that was uncooked. And then she had asked the waiter something. I didn't know what she had asked until they brought it to the table. She said something about head, but I didn't pay it attention because I didn't know what that was. And she wanted the head fried. <sighs> I don't eat things with eyes in it. <laughs> and if it has the lips on it, I'm not eating it. <laughs> okay? Don't buy me any of that. So there was a little shrimp thing on my plate, and the little shrimp was just curled over a ball of rice. <laughs> and she told me to eat it. I'm like, no, can I not eat that one right there? Because it was just laying there naked. <laughs> My brain went all kinds of directions. That's raw. It was raw, just laying there. The only thing that had happened is they done plucked his legs off. My mind was caught up in the picture of what happened to this shrimp while he's losing his legs. <laughs> I couldn't eat a live shrimp, though he was laying there dead. It looked like it did before he died, so I couldn't eat it. But she gave me a choice because she had had the head of the shrimp fried. Oh boy. It was deep fried, and the eyes were looking through the batter. <laughs> hey, your shrimp got them lips, them things. Those things, it's his lips. It's about eight of them. And it's laying on my plate. And I'm trying not to have this on my face. Because that would have made me leave normally. So I said to her, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I can't eat the people. She said, what do you mean with people? That one has a face. I can't eat nothing with a face. I'll try the naked one, but I can't eat the one with the face. If you let me do that, I'll compromise with you, condescend to people, men of lower state. I'll compromise with you, and I'll eat the naked one, you eat the one with the eyes. I ate it. I would never do that again. But I wanted to witness. And it wasn't going to kill me to eat that. 
I wanted to open up an opportunity for the gospel. You with me? What happens when you put on socks that other folk like? They feel like you connected. You can do that in a thousand ways in your life if you pursue peace. You don't have to look at the barriers. You can find the place for peace. Got it? Let's look together at Philippians chapter 4. Tell me when you're there. It's on the screen too. We're going to end with this part of the scripture because I want to make this the how-to part, okay? Is that okay? So this is the how-to part. Now, if you don't want to do this at all, you should leave now. Let me close my eyes. Because tomorrow you'll be responsible for practicing it. You won't be responsible for doing it. You'll be responsible for practicing it. Okay? You don't have to do it perfectly, but you do have to practice. Is that okay? The book of Isaiah says this, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, who trust in him. Trust in him is not that I believe he'll do what I ask him. That's not to trust in him. Got that? Stop fooling yourself. And then fussing at people, because I don't know why God didn't do what I asked him to do. I asked him to do this, and he didn't do it. So how am I supposed to trust him if he won't do what I ask? (laughs) That's not trusting him. Trusting him means to still count on him no matter what happens. Okay? Trusting him means to stay focused on him, count on him, obey him, no matter what's happening. Got that? I want to pray later on for those of you who feel like God has disappointed you. Because you feel like God didn't do something he was supposed to do for you. I want to apologize for those of us who made you feel like God would answer everything you ask him. The way you want it answered. I apologize for everybody who preached the gospel that made you think like that. But I want to correct that today. That thinking is not accurate. Okay? Trust in him means you believe he knows best. And when you ask him for something, you will submit the final decision to him. And you will maintain your trust. Does that make any sense to you? In this season, you really need that. Because just like for Christmas, there are things I asked for and I didn't get. I got to trust that the heart of the giver was more important and thoughtful about what they have given. You with me? If your children or your spouse or your friends don't do what you expect them to do and give you what you want or you said you want it, keep peace. Be grateful for the gift. And move on, live next year. And it might even get better. Philippians chapter 4. Verse number four says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. If you're going to have the peace of God, I'm going to talk with you about how this works, okay? Verse number five then says, let your gentleness be known, evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse number six says, together with me, do not about, but... By, with, present, and which will. Come on, give God a big hand praise for that. Now let me help make it practical if, if I can, okay? Verse 7 is a result. Got that? Mm -hmm. Verse 7 won't happen without verse 6 and 5 and 4. Can you see that? Verse 7 is a result. And let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it out loud. I want you to ponder it. Have you 
taking responsibility to guard your heart and protect your own mind? Have you been busy making sure nobody hurts you and no one gets over on you and that you never make a mistake and that it's never your fault? Have you been busy over your lifetime guarding your own heart and guarding your own mind? How's that worked out? Not great at all. Why do people guard their heart? Because they don't want to get hurt again. If you've never been hurt, you wouldn't guard it. But because you've been hurt, because you've been disappointed, because you have been let down, because people have turned their backs on you, because they have made you feel worthless, because you have been left isolated, because they have belittled you and scorned you and mocked you and teased you, you took up responsibility to guard your own heart. And you've been working at it for years. And there's a few things you've decided you'll never do because you don't want to take that risk. It could be as simple as wearing blue socks. All of us got one of those or two of those. And if you're honest, your protection plan is not working. And if you're Christian, you're going to battle between protecting your heart and risking it. Because God's going to call you to love enemies. Now you got to decide whether or not you're going to risk it or protect it. So you're trying to do both. That's called division. That's called broken. That's called pieces. That's called anxiety. That's a stressor. You can't love an enemy and protect yourself. I share stories with you about my mother because my mother was a very, very, very wise woman who did a lot of stupid things. None of them were stupid because they were stupid. That's just my way of trying to have fun with you with it. She did her very best, but all of it wasn't accurate. Some of it was wrong, but she's my mother. Got that? Yes, sir. But my mother was very wise. She told me one day, she told all of us, son, locks are for honest people. What she meant was, when you put a lock on something, it only keeps out people who respect the lock. It don't keep out criminals. So the people you're trying to protect yourself are not the ones locked out. You're protecting yourself from honest people. Then she said, and you have to keep in mind that a lock works both ways. If you lock people out, you lock yourself in. If you put somebody in prison, you got to guard them. You can't sleep when you have to stand guard. There's no rest in that. If you have mechanisms set up in your heart to keep people from hurting you, you can't get any rest. There's no rest for that. You have to decide to take the lock off. I know that's hard. Especially depending on the level of your trust and betrayal. I know that's hard, especially during this season, because you relive stuff. Whether it's God let you down, or people let you down, or somebody was never there, or they didn't do it, or you've been left. Whatever it is, you relive stuff. Just like I looked at that naked shrimp and was living it over and over again in my mind. My imagination made me almost choke on it. Because I was thinking about he's live and squirming in my mouth. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Your imagination is a part of this, right? You got to take the locks off. I'm being human with you because all of us have to do it. And I'm not trying to tell you it's the thing that's easy to do. But I am telling you God is faithful. He would never let you down. That brings us to the scripture that says rejoice in the Lord. Let me do this. Let me ask the worship team to come up here for me because you're going to help me. Can I teach you to rejoice in the Lord? Yes. Is that okay? Yes. It'll stretch you a little bit. Are you okay with that? Yes. I mean, it's private though, so nobody here but us. Okay. I promise not to tell anything about you trying to stretch yourself, and you don't tell about me. <laughs> the term rejoice in the Lord 
is not the term for joy, although it comes from that. The term rejoice in the Lord is something that you are supposed to do. It's not effective. The power of God is not effective for human beings unless we participate with it. Have you ever went somewhere, a party or an event, and you just stood there? You noticed that the party was no fun. <laughs> Had nothing to do with the party. It was just that you weren't participating. If you go to the party and you sit there, it's not going to be what it could be because you're not participating. God has designed it so you and I have to participate. When you participate, you get something from it. You believe that? Which song? What is it? We open our hearts. We open our hearts. Sing it for me. One thing that we ask, Lord. One thing that we see. You're the reason we're here now. Giving everything. Because you are In order to rejoice in it, you have to participate with it. It's not rejoice about it. So most of us, when praise is going on, we clap for the singers. But if you, at the level of your faith, participate with it, you will start to understand you are rejoicing in it. You're rejoicing in what's being said about the one who gave you peace. Got that? When you participate with the song, whether you clap or stand or sing, you are participating. You are rejoicing in the Lord. You got me? Let's try that. One more time on this verse, everyone who wants to rejoice in the Lord. to experience the presence of God and you start to understand and get in touch with the love of God and your brain starts to imagine the power of God and the majesty of God to help you get into a place where you can maintain trust. Got that? You only get there when you rejoice in Him. If God has been good to you, you rejoice in Him. If God has all power, you rejoice in Him. If God does heal and you need healing, you rejoice in Him. God is our healer. God is our deliverer. One more time, rejoice in Him.
land softly because we're coming back. This, that next verse says, let your gentleness be known to all. That's the second thing you have to do in order for the result to be the peace of God will guard your heart. This thing here, you can do it with music at home. You can do it just by talking to yourself about the good things about you, you know about God. You can do this, the Bible says, by speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. You can do this anywhere and always. And what happens is, Brett said, you have to position yourself. What happens is when you rejoice in the Lord, you position yourself in Him. You now take up a posture and a place where you and God can commune and you can hear and see and know what God wants for whatever situation you're in. Does that make any sense? The second part when he says, let your gentleness be known. That level of peace is between you and other people. What that verse means is you have to relax some of the stringent rules you have put on your heart and keeping yourself from things to keep you safe. There are some rules, but you and I built up rules that are unnecessary to protect ourselves. You judge people out of your rules. You separate yourself because of your rules. That verse means relax those rules. Let go of some of those standards. You don't have to win every argument. You don't have to get agreement in this moment. You can wait till the next one. You don't have to finish it before you think that it's over or it can be wait, uh, put off to another time. Those are your rules. The other person might not agree with those rules. We need to talk about it now. No, you don't. You need to talk about it. But it doesn't have to be now. We need to settle this. No, we don't. If you wait, it might be settled. You cannot be the kind of believer who insists on having it your way or the highway. You relax your rules. You extend and let other people experience your gentleness. It's sort of like life is rough. Life is a rough road. You are a vessel on the world, but your peace is your sock absorber. So no matter how rough the road is, the driver doesn't experience it at that level. Got that? It's rough, but the peace of God protects me from it. When you are riding around without the peace of God, it's like riding around without shock absorbers. You experience everything happening on the road. And then you transfer that to everybody else. You need God's peace. You need God's peace. Christmas won't be what you want it to be unless you appropriate God's peace. You want a joyful Christmas? You need to let go of all the things that have hurt you, the rough places, and make it up in your mind that as much as it depends on you, you're going to extend grace to people and you're going to let them experience your gentleness. You're not going to let sit down and complain because they're lazy. You get up and do it. You don't get upset because they don't do it your way. You compensate for that. You let people experience your gentleness. Why do you have gentleness? Because he's gentle with you. Because Christ is forgiving you. Because he waits on you. He washed the disciples' feet. He didn't have to but he wanted them to experience love through his gentleness. You and I can do that. The last thing he said is that you're not to be anxious. That's the only one he put a knot in, but he didn't leave it right there. He told you what to do instead. How do you overcome anxiety? It tells you. How do you overcome anxiety? It didn't say pray. It say with prayer, through prayer. In other words, in this verse, prayer is a place and a thing. It's a noun, not a verb. It's a place and a thing. Prayer is, when it's a noun, is something you offer to God. When it's a place, it's something you go into. 
The Lord is our strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. Through prayer, you move into the presence of God. And you rest there. You offer God through prayer. Remember when Jesus said, the disciples said, teach us how to pray? He started off with, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the entrance into prayer. When you recognize the greatness of God and you talk about God, how awesome and good he is and how he's in charge of everything and how everything depends upon him, you enter into prayer. You enter into a place of communion with God. You understand what I'm saying? It's not just talking. Don't talk till you get in prayer. Got it? Pray and petition. A petition is a request. It's as if you're carrying a load or an anxiety backpack. You unpack that to God. This is what I'm worried about and this is what I need. Here's something else I'm going through and this is what I need. Here's what I'm hoping for and I don't know if it's going to work out, but I'm letting you know it. You unpack that thing to God. Cast all your cares, first Peter says upon him, so that because he cares for you. That word cast is like loading a donkey with your burdens. You take everything you are carrying and you cast it on God. And you say, I'm, when I leave prayer, I'm not carrying that. I'm putting this on you because I need it. And I'm thankful that you know my needs. I'm giving you this because it's going to happen and I don't know what to do about it. I'm asking you to straighten this out because I tried and it's not working. And I'm leaving it right there because you're a good God and you're able. Got that? Then he says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, thank him. Thank him. God, I'm just thankful that you're with me, you're for me, you're not against me. I thank you that you're my shield and my shelter, my great reward. I thank you that you are always beside me. You promise you'll never leave me. Start to thank him. I thank you that you hear me and you promise you'll answer. I may not know the answer, but you have infinite level of options. And I thank you that you're never without an option. You know what to do when I don't know what to do. I know you can do it. It looks hopeless, but you're never hopeless because you're the creator of the world. You got power. You can speak it and it'll happen. I thank you for that. I thank you that I have peace in you, that I can rest in you, that I don't have to worry. You thank him. And then he says, you present those requests to God. Now, God, I just sitting here with you. They're yours. They belong to you. I trust you. I don't have any other options. You're all I have. You're all I need. And without you, I can't do it. But I'm going to rest on your peace. Because you gave it to me. And I understand that you're for me. I'll take it. And I leave rejoicing, knowing that if God be for me, no one can be against me. And he says, when you do that, the peace of God takes on the task and the responsibility to protect your heart and to protect your mind. You can get over anything that hurts you if you will let it go. You can get over it. You can have a great Christmas and you can be the source of someone else's great Christmas if you accept this gift of peace today. What I'm going to do to end, I'm just going to come here. We're going to pray. I just want to pray for everyone who says, this Christmas, God, I want to open the gift of peace. I need it. I need to let go of some things. I don't want to carry some things into the next year and through this Christmas. I just want to bask in your presence and trust you. I'm not looking for an answer. I'm not looking for a way. I'm just looking to trust you today. That's all I want today. I just want to trust you and know that you're with me. I'm not coming because that guy's prayer is something big. I'm coming because I'm agreeing with that guy in prayer because you told us what two or three touch and agree. I'm trusting what you told me. These are the instructions you gave me. Right? So those who want to 
this is just your step to say, okay, this is me doing it because you have to participate. I just want to pray because I want my peace this year. I don't want to go another day in anxiety, stress, worry, frustration. Can't solve all the problems, but I can still have peace. While they play, come on. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 